0: are some which were born from their mother's womb. And there are some which were made enux of men, enux of men. And there be enux which have made themselves enux for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Those are the basic points. But, as we talk about that, let's go to the part that is a gift of God. And those that are under his influence do not marry in order to be more useful to religion. And so they're abstinent. And then there are some which are born from their mother's womb, which means that they could easily abstain from marriage and choose to be single. single but had defects that made them impotent unfit for and able to perform the duties of marriage like some that are born without hands or feet or born without proper organs of generation and so they don't have that function, they're not able to do it because they don't have the function so they're sometimes called uh, "enough by the hands of heaven And then there's another group that were made that way by men among the Romans and by the emperors and eastern countries and even today among the Turks. They are made that way because the men don't trust them with their women. And then there are enochs that have made themselves enochs. And these people castrated themselves. Uh they're called Elysians, and it's a heathen philosophy for the sake of chastity. So it's not, I'm not making that call. This is actually in the Bible. Because some say just to live the single life and obtain the kingdom of glory, that they might be more at leisure, being free from the encumbrance of marriage, to attend the worship service of God, spreading it to the world. So, and then. Jesus says, if you're able to receive it, receive it, and embrace it heartily. And I cannot explain that any more than that. But today, people say that uh, uh, Enoch or Eunuch are the same as people who have chosen a various, uh, various cultures that are aligned with the LGBT m- m- movement, and uh, a lot of times they do. And they take this scripture and justify uh, their actions. But certainly many of them don't believe in God. And some of them do believe in God. And some of them believe in God have not repented. And so those are they that I believe uh, have made themselves that way. And we find them more often in what we call a non-denominational faith or uh, what they call the spiritual churches. And I am not one to make a judgment. I'm not one to make a call, but I'm just talking about it. If you're finding yourself in a situation tomorrow where you feel like you have somehow been left alone because your man or your husband or your intended Or your partner cannot give you what it is that you want. It's because they can't. And they make these excuses. It's because they can't. It's not that they don't love you. They do love you. But they don't want you in that way. So they have no inclination to do that. And then they are just some mean men. Getting away from that topic altogether. They're just mean men. And then there are men who are not there because they're imprisoned or uh, they're in, prison- in, the, in the facilities or they're imprisoned in their own minds. And they have decided that they want to be the way they are. Then there are some men who think it's better to be with a man because they don't have the responsibilities of family. And then there are men who will be with women who just don't believe in giving gifts. So, if tomorrow you don't get a bunch of roses and you don't get a lot of accolades for being the sweet person that you are, Is either male or female, not just women. You don't get the gifts that you expect to get. Um, believe this, that it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not that you're not worthy of love. It's because justice, that's just the way the world is. That's the way Men and women were created. Some have the ability to give and some do not. Some have the ability to love a human being and some do not. And there are so many single females in the United States today. One person households. Where they're feeling like, why didn't I? Why can't I? I don't have the answer, but I want you to know that it's not your fault. It is because of the way people are made, and it's also because of the systemic uh, impact upon our society, incarceration, and then there is the lack of economic resources. So remember, God loves you much more than you'll ever be able to understand. And know that you are the Valentine every single day of the year. God bless you. Amen. Good evening, good evening, a new pronunciation and a correction for the scripture. It's Matthew 19:12, and the word is eunuch, 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 eunuch. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, and I, I am studying the book of Habakkuk. And I'm very fascinated with this book because unlike the other prophets who complain about people to God, their ways, and you know what they're doing, and They talk to the people about what God will do to them. Habakkuk is just a little different. Heavenly Father, as I attempt to go through this book because it is a very short one, help me to get it right. Help me to express what it is that you want me to say with clarity and boldness and I pray that we come through some agreement in Jesus name I pray amen so unlike the other prophets this particular prophet is asking God why he's, he's saying not that God is going to do this to you but he's asking God why he's doing all this why are you allowing these calamities to come upon us? And though he, it is stated that he's a minor prophet, I tend to disagree. I believe he's very major. But of course, the Bible says he's a minor prophet. Very major because he says some really uh, profound things in a little bit of time. So he's speaking to the people, he's speaking to God on behalf of the people, and he's trying to understand God's actions. So he does this with a series of questions and prayers and And he waits after he contacts God, he waits for a response. So he's looking at all these issues that people have to deal with and he's trying to understand why God is doing what he's doing. What's his purpose? And what is his will? Well, there is one thing that I do love, and that is that he believes that the righteous one will live by his faith. Though we find it difficult to fathom the ways of God, we can learn to trust, exalt, and praise God, despite our limited understanding so his first prayer is how long lord must i call you and you won't listen how long will you tolerate wrongdoing oppression and violence and all this strife and there's no justice and god says look Look at the nations and observe for something is taking place he says I'm raising up the Chaldeans to march across the earth's open spaces to seize other people's territories and they're fierce and they have swift horses and they charge ahead and they fly like eagles that swoop down and devour, and they come to do violence. And they think the rulers are a joke and they laugh at the fortresses and they siege and capture them. That's what God's is saying, in it? Habakkuk says, are you not from eternity? You appointed those people to execute judgment. You told them to punish us. And why are you using Babylon? And the conversation goes back and forth, back and forth. And he says, "Why are you silent?" While this wicked person is swallowing up one more righteous than himself. Why, why is it that they are so glad and rejoiceful?" And they burn incense to their fishing net. Food is plentiful and they continually slaughter nations without mercy. So, God tells them to write down this vision, but the vision is for the appointed time. And he says, wait for it. The righteous one will live by faith. And then he says, look at the ego. And you've got these strong people giving wine. the innocent. And he says he's never satisfied. And so then we come to the five woes. Woe to all of those who take up taunt against him. And what does that really mean? just talks about the wickedness as the Babylonians of the back of the Babylonians and uh, there is this knowledge that God doesn't have to explain himself God just has to be God and we have to trust that there is good when we find him difficult to understand so it just means that even though there is difficulty in understanding we still have to trust god and be faithful then is woe to him who amasses what is not his woe to him who dishonestly makes wealth for his house to place his nest on high Wiping out people and sitting against your own self. For the stones will cry out from the wall and the rafters will answer them from the woodwork. And it says, woe to them who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with injustice. using the people's la- labor to fuel the fire. So this is Greek, I'm sorry, a Hebrew word, chamas, which really means violence. And it talks about crimes, a violent wrong. And chamas provoked the flood, it describes his suffering that involves any violence and uh or acting violently. And is there another woe? Oh yeah, woe to him who gives his neighbors drink, pouring out your wrath and even making them drunk in order to look at their nakedness this is important because this is valentine's day and a lot of people will be made drunk in order to expose the nakedness so i'm going to say that's a literal thing that's that i'm going to take that literally and Let's see if I can get that right and you can actually you can use that any way you want to but um, that's something that happens all the time a lot of people get people drunk to disgrace them and or, and, or to get what they want from them And uh, woe to him who says to wood, wake up, or to mute stone, come alive. Can it teach? For the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. And so those are the woes. And then he offers a prayer, and he says, Lord, I've heard the report about you, I stand in awe of you. He says, God comes from Piman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, and his splendor covers the heavens, the earth is full of his praise, his radiance is like light. This is where his power is hidden. He looks and startles nations. The age old mountains break apart. And then he says, uh, either rage against the sea or the rivers. And I just think it's a beautiful poem, but in the end he expresses his confidence in God. He says, I heard and I tremble within, my lips quivered at the sound, I tremble where I stood. Now I must wait quietly for the day of distress, though the fig tree does not bud and there's no fruit on the vines. And there's no olive crop there. The fields produce no food. No sheep in the pen. No cattle. I will triumph. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Because the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet. Enables me to walk. So he's saying even though... All of these things are happening in the day of distress, and they are being attacked and invaded. He says, I will trust in God. So, what he's saying is, the righteous live by faith, and so there is never a time. we should stop praising God or trusting him there's never a time when we should not be thankful even in distress he's saying there is never a time when we should feel so confident or so disgusted or so disappointed in our state of affairs that we do not praise God or we do not glorify him we don't shout and praise him even in the midst of our trouble That's when we have to praise Him the most. We don't have to wait for the joy to come. Our joy is in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we continually praise Him because we know that God moves faster than we do. And I wrote a song about that. He moves so swiftly. We have to catch up to what He's already done. We have to catch up to his answer to our problems. He's already solved it. He's moving faster than we can ever think about moving. There is no time with God because he's omnitemporal, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-seeing, omnipotent. And we cannot possibly know what he's doing because we're just too, our brains are not equipped to compete with what he's doing or understand what he's doing. So we rejoice in the God of our salvation because he's our strength. And so that is my philosophy. I, you know, being the daughter of a minister, uh, well, we had five little churches in Amelia County. You know, they were on the circuit. Two, uh, two of them, two Sundays of a month. The others, one, one Sunday a month. But he, my father, went to all of those churches, and he handled it well while working on a job at DuPont, taking care of us and all of that. But he never lost faith he never missed a Sunday and so I have to trust like he trusted and of course I had an older brother who has passed on who was a minister down in Orlando Florida and a brother in Pennsylvania a minister and a sister who's passed on who was an evangelist my husband was a minister and so I have this faith that's instilled innate and it's instilled in me and I have to continually trust and praise God no matter what I'm going through no matter what it looks like for me and you may say why haven't you done something by now I'm doing something for God and I hope you understand that I understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that even though it looks bad for me from your perspective, God has already given me more than I can ever repay. So I have to praise him, I have to rejoice in him, I have to love him. And I do praise him and I rejoice. And in my house, I shall praise the Lord, amen? at the advances in technology when it comes to the RFID systems and one reporter made a comment that I didn't agree with so I'm going to go to God in prayer right now Heavenly Father I pray that you'll be with me as I talk about this issue of freedom and how the RFID technologies impose upon our freedoms and how we go through Alleys of the shadow of death, but you are always with us. I pray that we come to some agreement on the topic in Jesus' name. Pray, Amen. So I'm looking at Second Corinthians, and there's a letter to Paul uh, from Paul, and it says in the beginning, "This letter is from me." Paul, appointed by God to be Jesus Christ's messenger. And for my dear brother Timothy, we are writing to all of you Christians there in Corinth and throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ mightily bless each one of you and give you peace. And the letter... about how wonderful Jesus Christ is and that he's a source of mercy, how he comforts and strengthens through hardships. And I bring this up because I think that I'm going through a hardship even though it does not appear to be as harsh as I say that it is. But we we praise God because he is the God of comfort. And uh, this sort of tacks on to the story that I was talking about last week. When we are pressed and we are watched and we are followed and people say things that hurt you. They talk about what you wear and Um, what your life is really like and what you should be doing and what your direction should be. So that's a form of affliction. You know, when someone is constantly pressing you and they're taken away your comforts. And he says, Paul says that you can be sure that the more we undergo sufferings for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and encouragement. We're in deep trouble for bringing you God's comfort and salvation, but in our trouble God had comforted us. And this too, to help you, to show you from our personal experience or our perspective, how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. He will give you strength to endure. And I just pray constantly that God will give me the strength to endure the sufferings that I'm going through. Because I am feeling sometimes crushed and overwhelmed as, as he felt, as he was going through Asia. He did not say... Exactly what he experienced, but he did go so far as to say that there was no escape. He felt like what he was going through was so harsh and so inhibiting that it was almost as if it were a death. and uh, and I did tell you this was his experience in Asia. Uh, So I really don't understand how it is even in this day and time that people can feel like it's okay, even in the United States, to pressure you to the point where you're hemmed in and have people watching you. You sit in church and there are four or five people sitting around you. And you actually know that they're not your friends and the things that they're talking about or about some aspect of your life. And there's no escaping it because they're right there in your ear. And they're filling you with the conversation about yourself as they see it. And in, in uh, verse number, let's see, the verse that is, chapter two, Uh, verse 4. Oh, I hated to write that letter. It almost broke my heart, and I tell you honestly that I cried over it. So these people are going through the same sorrows that he's going through, he has gone through. But... um, Paul is saying, forgive. Forgive. And he says, the reason for forgiveness is to keep from being outsmarted by Satan. Because you, we know what he's trying to do. So when people do things to press you on every side and you feel like you can't escape, and you feel like there's nowhere to, to go because they're there, and you know it's almost like a death, but God delivers you from that death of these people. He get, He provides you a way to freedom. He's saying... Uh, forgive them. Forgive them. He wants everyone to have a good change in their heart. But of course we know that everyone won't have that change in their heart. And he's asking you to try to forgive and, 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 and turn to God. He says, uh, God is the spirit that gives you life. And where he is, there is freedom. And he says, from trying to be saved by keeping the laws of God. But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord as the spirit of the Lord works within, within us. As we become more and more like him. And it is God himself, in his mercy, who has given us this wonderful work of telling us this good news. So we never give up. Because we don't want to be trapped in the tricks of Satan. Because Satan is the God of the evil world. But Christ is the light that shines in the darkness of this evil, and so we give Him glory. We don't talk about ourselves; we talk about the glory of Christ, how He is our Savior and how He is our Lord, because He is the only light. darkness, He is the brightness of his glory that is seen in his face. That's in verse uh, number 6 of chapter 4. And I'm just going right on through this because it says, We are oppressed on every side by troubles. Verse number 8. But not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as you do. But we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down. But God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up and we keep going. These bodies of ours are constantly facing death, just as Jesus did. But it's Christ who keeps us safe. It's the Christ within us who keeps us safe. And He says, We live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord. But this gives us constant opportunities. To show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies because of our preaching. It is resulting in eternal life for you. And so if we go over to uh chapter five, he says, uh How weary we grow in our present bodies. That is why we look forward eagerly to the day when we shall have heavenly bodies, which when we shall put on like new clothes, for we shall not be merely spirits without our bodies. These earthly bodies make us groan and sigh, but we wouldn't like to think of dying and having no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will, if, as it were, be swallowed up by everlasting life. This is what God has prepared for us as a guarantee so we look forward with confidence and we are not afraid and I I just think you know if people understood the fight that has gone on for so many centuries to allow the light and, and the love of Christ to come in and and Open up our hearts and the harshness that we have within our hearts toward people who are not like us, as far as we understand it, because they don't have the uh, the the degrees or whatever. A lot of people have degrees you don't know about. I don't know, you don't know where people have been to school just because you're, you're teaching. Teaching is not a high position. You, you're not well-paid. It's a good thing to teach people, But you're certainly some of the lowest paid people with no benefits. And it's a great thing to teach. But I don't think it's something you should go around bragging about and thinking so highly of yourselves because you teach. It's a good thing to teach and our children need teachers but there is no need to afflict someone else and cause someone else to suffer because you think that you are better than the other person And so in 2nd uh, Corinthians uh, this is chapter 1 we have to go backwards he says for this our confidence the testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world, especially toward you, with God-given sincerity and purity, not by fleshly wisdom, but by God's grace. And we are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely, as you have partially understood us, that we are your reason for pride, as you are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. And so he's just talking about God graciously spares us for further ministry. And a lot of people, the average person, Paul thought, couldn't understand that. He thinks that they partially understand. So, it's God's grace. It's God's grace that uh, gives us sincerity and purity. And we just should hope and believe in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to stay on good terms with everyone. have to forgive and he says if anyone has caused you pain he has caused pain not so much to me but to some degree not to exaggerate to all of you the punishment inflicted by the majority is sufficient for that person as a result you should instead forgive and comfort him otherwise this one may be overwhelmed by excessive grief therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love I wrote for this purpose to test your character, to see if you are obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I do too. For what I have forgiven, I have forgiven. It is for you in the presence of Christ. I have done this so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are all, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So what he's saying that these this crazy things that we do to hurt other people and to hem them in and to cause them pain is not of God, it's of Satan. And a lot of people are drawn in, you know, by the little schemes that they dream up and they endorse each other and their beliefs and they take the recommendations of people, uh, you know, who appear to be confidence builders. But that's not the confidence we should have. He says, we have this kind of confidence toward God through Christ. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter. Of the spirit, but the letter, but the letter kills the spirit. Produces produces life, and so I just thank God that He has shown us mercy, and we need to show mercy, and we don't need to be walking around in deceit, trying to distort God's message. But we need to accept this extraordinary power that he gives. And uh, he delivers us from being crushed. Even though we are perplexed. So we have to thank God that he's there for us. And we are not going to be tricked into death by Satan. Amen. I just pray that you understand what I'm trying to say. Because we know we're passing through this world. This earthly dwelling that we're in. We are passing through here. But we have a building in the future, not made by hands. Amen. I just pray the peace of Christ upon your life. And we will all my prayer, hopefully, and through some prayers of your own, get through our hardship and our difficulties and our sleepless nights and our times of hunger and hardship, go to the Holy Spirit and understand his message of truth. his message of sincere sincere love. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we uh continue Second Corinthians when we talk about Paul's troubles, me father help me as I continue to try to go through these chapters in Second Corinthians where Paul was somehow rejected. As we feel rejected, oh Lord, help us to know that you are the light and Satan will not win, that you will win. Our victory is in you. Amen. So we, we know that Paul uh, visited Corinth a second time, and the church was in deep trouble because of the false apostles. He he's, he's saying that this visit was so sorrowful and painful, and these these false apostles had. Told the Corinthians to his own him. And this is the reason for this letter, you know, that he wrote. But somehow Titus came to him and told him that the Corinthian church had repented and accepted Paul's authority. But what is it that we do to people? What is it that we do to people to? to cause them uh, to agitate others when we don't know who they are, when we don't know what they're trying to do or what they bring to the table. And somehow I think that people think when you raise your voice and you ask a question and when you express yourself in a manner that is different than what they're accustomed to, when you essentially speak another language, because if you're used to a crowd of meek people, you're not, you're not um, encouraged by someone who speaks loudly or someone who expresses herself or himself in a different manner. You are somehow offended by that freedom of speech. So the church, in many instances, has been um, led by men. And women's voices have to be suppressed in order to be accepted. And so a lot of times you enter into these communities of faith not knowing that women are not to speak out. If they speak out, they have to speak out with a soft voice and more in an apologetic tone. And I'm just not from that... uh, Background. And I think that is a reason for this uh, aggressive assault on me and standing around me and putting cameras on me and whatever. Because I agree with that, I disagree with that attack. And so, this kind of shutting you down closing you off, shutting you down because you're unknown. It's sort of a death. It is intended to shut you out so that you won't give any kind of offering to the believers. They want to shut you completely out because what they're accustomed to is what they want to do to be the... um, the, 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 the mode that people are in. they don't want any other way of thinking. They want to accept what they understand is you know is the role of a woman. I'm not saying that uh, you don't like women ministers. I'm just saying you don't want a new perspective. You want to stick with the norm that you have and so it causes uh, a rift and I don't want to be the rift you know I want to be I want to have a ministry of peace and reconciling that eliminates suffering and I want to minister to the needs of people and I want to garner support and trust from those that I minister to. And I know that I'm not one of the ministers in that particular church. And so uh, I accept that I'm uh, not a part of the union, which is okay. There was even a post that said, these are our ministers, okay, that's great. I didn't come there for that reason. I came there to hear the word of God. But I will not be silent. This is my forum. And I will not be silent. Even though you're harsh and threatening. I will not be silent. And I love you with the peace of Christ. And... uh I express my thanksgiving to you, and I thank God because he's a God of comfort, and I have a clear conscience. Amen and amen. Good afternoon, good afternoon, how are you doing on this wonderful day? I've been praying and meditating and contemplating the issues of marriage and who can perform the rites of marriage. Heavenly Father, I come to you with a heavy heart because this country is losing its appreciation for family. The church no longer has meaning for a large portion of the United States citizens. We have allowed immorality, and we've tolerated immorality, but now we are going further by allowing marriages to take place with only the bride and the groom. Oh God, I just pray that you would look down upon this immoral nature of this country and speak boldly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm disgusted right now with Representative or Delegate uh, Mark Levine because he has introduced a bill which says that he wants to allow anyone over the age of 18. Now we know that kids at the age of 18 don't have fully developed brains they're allowing anyone over the age of 18 to perform a a marriage ceremony that is what his bill is calling for no proof of anything no background check nothing just walk in there and say all right i'm going to perform this wedding for this couple and the court's going to say okay fine you i authorized you to do so no bond or anything just marry your child marry your son or your daughter and send him on down the road. Could be someone a, narc, a drug dealer, can be someone uh, a felon. Could be anybody. As long as they find someone who says, "I'm over eighteen. I'm going to marry your child." No counseling, no nothing, no questions. Just marry them. And that bothers me because we are a nation founded under God, and so God does not appreciate man taking things into his own hands i will not be pleased by that so i'm looking at the scriptures where all of this immorality has taken place before and it talks about the rape of uh tamar it talks about lots daughters this this amounts to rape really when god is not in it it's rape and it's sinful judah and tamar in genesis 38 uh it talks about Lot's daughters in Genesis nineteen. Talks about the abduction of the women of Shiloh and uh Judges nineteen. And of course I already said Lot in Judges twenty one nineteen. But then he goes down to talk about uh second Samuel thirteen, Judah and Tamar genesis 38 possibly noah and ham and genesis uh 9 20 to 27 so i'm i'm gonna even mention some stuff about reuben and Absalom and the concubines and you know the family boundaries where everything is just a sexual power play and I'm, I'm really appalled at the way that the United States is going along with this because what is happening now is we're allowing sexual relations, clearly sexual relations, to be uh, aligned with a holy matrimony that is granted only through Jesus Christ and his church. So we're allowing adultery because these are not holy marriages, adultery uh as in Exodus 5:18 and Leviticus 18:20. We're not paying any attention to the forefathers of this uh of this nation and we're not paying any attention to biblical history. We're not paying any attention to the commandments. So what we're allowing is clandestine marriages that you know, we were talking about what is civility, and people who cannot live un, under regular laws sometimes restrain themselves to mountainous themselves to mountainous regions where the law can't even get to them. So they uh, do whatever comes naturally to them. They cannot be governed by the law, so they live high in the hills, wherever else they you know they want to live boarded off by rocks and whatever and whoever wins it is the person with the biggest gun or the biggest dog or the largest fence so we could say we are going back to common law marriages because when there is no witness what you have is a common law marriage do you take him yes i did do you take her yes i did. And, and we're married we're married and they walk around you know with their rings on barren children no one's ever going to object to that because they live in that community for their entire lives and they don't ever come down to civilization civilization accepted by supplies like in the story of uh seven brides for seven brothers we just can't club people over the head and say you're mine and that's this is another uh, illustration these people are saying this is my woman this is my man and i'm gonna take her no judge, no priest, no minister, no one is really uh, required to be there. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in our legislature. I'm disappointed in our uh, our, our, our legislature and, and our representatives and our delegates. I'm disappointed in the Supreme Court for opening the door for all of this. And saying that uh, anything goes, it really doesn't matter, anything goes. And God is not pleased. You know, people can live the way they want to live. But I think the future of our nation depends upon how civil we are, what we accept and what we reject. And I think it's time to draw the line. Thank you, Father, for this time that I've had with my listeners. Whether they agree or not, really, is not that important to me. I want to believe what you said we must do. And that is what I plan to do. It's what I've done. Even though my husband is dead now, it is what I wanted. And the reason why I'm not married now or why I'm not engaged now is because I had people who just wanted to get married before any mom your mom's not a it's not a legal marriage even though you can claim it this is my husband but to be married before the courts by a minister or by a legal official is what I demand it's the only thing I will accept and that's the reason why I'm single right now because I won't accept it the other way I won't go stand before somebody I know nothing about and say you're going to marry us or I'm going to accept this man as my partner or my spouse for life without any legal documentation or without any uh, requirements so I reject the I'm not saying this to uh, I'm not saying this about to insult anyone but these are my principles I think that our marriages must be recognized by the courts and you know just giving somebody a ring doesn't mean that you love them or that you want to be with them Because in some societies, you're allowed to have more than one wife. You don't have to commit to anybody. And I reject that as well. So I thank you, Lord, for this time. And I pray that my message has been received in the light that it was intended. Amen. Good morning, good morning, Father of Light, Father of Love, I pray that you enter my body and my spirit right now, and flush out all manner of diseases. comfort me with your guiding light, the purity, and the healing that comes from you alone. Surround me with your light from heaven. Cleanse my soul. Cleanse my spirit. Cleanse my heart. And make me whole. Tell me, O Lord, to know that you alone are the healer. You alone have the power. You alone are God you alone are the answer I just thank you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord for the power of me and the light that is reflected from Jesus Christ into me the perfect image of you I am an inheritor of this light, and it shines through me, from Jesus' this too. I am blessed by the effulgence of your love. I am thankful and grateful. In Jesus' name, Lord. pray. Amen.